And we are so happy to share the ministry tonight of Jeremiah Johnson. Would you give him a great Michigan and Canada welcome tonight? Jeremiah Johnson. God bless you, Jeremiah. All right. Well, I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana, and as we were driving, it all was so familiar. And living in Florida, I hate to say I would never want to live here again in the Midwest. But I still love you anyways. I I forgot it was winter. Uh, Literally, we got off the plane and I said, it is cold. And I remember the potholes and just that feeling. And so we want to welcome you to the Sunshine State if you ever want to come down. Uh, Planted a church in Lakeland, Florida eight years ago. uh, Loving God. watching God pour out His Spirit in a multi-generational dynamic down there. I've also been traveling uh, very strategically and at great length over the last five years. It's just an honor to be here. I feel like I'm currently in a special season of just encountering the Lord in a really fresh way. Uh, Honestly, at church yesterday, I got saved again. I know that, that that scares some people, but I really feel like I've rededicated my life about a hundred times to the Lord in the last 10 years. And every time he touches me in a fresh way, I just found myself on the front row, just absolutely weeping and being unraveled by the goodness of God and the the simple gospel message. Um, And I'm just so grateful to be here with you all. Um, We do have a a product table uh, in the back there. Uh, If there's any resources that could help uh, you along your journey in God, uh, there are several back there. I would like to just give a a few uh, free away before we jump into the message tonight. Um, The 2018 prophetic word that I released, uh, some of you might know I shut down my ministry both in Lakeland and around the world every December. I don't preach, I don't pray, I don't prophesy. I just fast and get with the Lord and ask Him what He's saying to the body of Christ for the following year. And so the recording back there, I had a fresh encounter uh, about Donald Trump. Uh, The Lord spoke to me that 2018 was the year of the baby boomer. So if you're in that 50s plus uh, age category, I want to tell you this is your year. Uh, Several words for... Yeah, you, you need you need to get this. Um, Canada, South Africa, Australia, a lot of things in there. Who can I bless this with? It's absolutely free, so uh, you got to come get it, though. So, um, you know, oh, okay. Oh, there you go, Ricochet. There you go. Um, I've written several books. Um, one of them is called "I See a New Prophetic Generation." Uh, this can be if you're five years old or you're 88 years old. Uh, when I say new, you know, I believe God's doing a new thing, but he's really doing an old thing. He's restoring and recovering the ancient past in, in the nation and in the world. So this is a vision. One of my good friends, Dr. Michael Brown, who is part of the Brownsville uh, Revival, a president of Fire School of Ministry, he wrote a, a recommendation and he said, if this book offends you, it's the very thing that you need. And so uh, it's kind of a a hard-hitting truth about what God's doing in the prophetic. Who can I bless this with? Come on down. Or just kidding. There's, There's some more back there. 
Um, have a lot of, of teachings on the prophetic, the Holy Spirit. Love the person of the Holy Spirit. Love his presence. There's a, a, a Holy Spirit school uh, back there. Eight sessions on the ministry, the person of the Holy Spirit. A workbook and an audio teaching back there. Who can I bless this with? You just got to come down. Well, this is... This is really good because the message tonight is on spiritual hunger, so. (laughs) Lord, let it be so. I want to speak tonight on spiritual hunger. I leaped when I found out the, the title of this conference, Word and Spirit. Because it's very unique uh, in the earth. I'm, I'm not only speaking as someone who pastors locally. Uh, I do about 35 churches and conferences a year. Some 10,000 uh, mega churches. Uh, some smaller churches. But to find a place that has married the word with the spirit is very rare. Uh, I've ministered at places. Uh, I call them frozen chosen assembly with Pastor Frigidaire. Uh, they only do the word, and if you only do the word, uh, it will become dry, it will become legalistic, it will become stale, uh, too much of the word, and again, I want you to hear me, but a lot of hard-hitting, heavy word churches without the spirit breed religion. And then I've also been at, how should I say, wildfire with off the rails, uh, pastor, all spirit, no word, and we're flying around by the seat of our pants and just going off of whatever the spirit says and there's no order and there's no structure. And so I believe the next move of God is going to be a centering or a marrying of the word in the spirit. And so I don't know where you're at because I'm going to guess that you are typically on one end or the other. You might be strong in the Word, and God wants to baptize you in the realm of the Spirit. You might be really strong in the Spirit, and you need to learn how to get a devotional life. There's a man who lives between the lines of Scripture. His name is Jesus. And so I believe that we can encounter God in His Word. But I also believe that we can encounter Him in an experiential realm because I really do believe that there's a difference between knowing about God and knowing God. And I, I want to bring, bring some, some truth to you tonight. Now, my experience with truth many times is before the truth sets you free, it makes you angry. So I'm really happy I'm just here one night so I can do a hit and run. I think we got to leave for the airport at like 5 or 6 a.m. So I told Pastor I've, I've got some hard things to say tonight. Uh, it's, it's out of a burden. It's out of an encounter. It's out of sitting with the Lord uh, that I believe that we are on the verge of a third great awakening in America. I do believe that we're about to see the greatest harvest of souls that we've ever seen. But as I have continued to become a student of revival and awakening history, I have discovered some spiritual truths 
that I believe need to be reawakened in a generation. And what I mean by that is what I can see is awakening usually comes in two waves. God first comes and He awakes the church. And then God comes and He awakes the world. So we can talk about souls and we can talk about a third great awakening in America, but unless the church wakes up, Unless an alarm is sounded in the house of God, unless you and I get oil in our lamp, I'm deeply concerned that we're not going to be ready for the awakening that's coming out there. So I've come tonight to talk to the house of God. I've come tonight to talk to saints. I want to slay any religious devils in this house. Jesus came to set the captives free. I don't believe he was just talking about captives to the world. I believe that there are captives sitting in pews every Sunday bound in religion and they need to get introduced to a passionate, hot love affair with Jesus Christ. So it's a Monday night. I figured if you're here, you're hungry. You're desiring a word from the Lord. I want to release one corporately. And then we're going to have some altar time. But would you pray with me? Would you agree with me? Uh, I'm in desperate need of the help of the Holy Spirit tonight. If I had a title, this would be called The Gift of Spiritual Hunger. The gift of spiritual hunger. I believe spiritual hunger is a gift that God releases. And when we catch it, He can't deny us. But the enemy to being hungry for God is being full of ourselves. Not going to apologize for offending anybody tonight. The Lord is releasing messengers to His body with the gift of provocation. They are going to provoke us, not stroke us. I'm I'm talking about messengers that are going to sound the alarm. Have you ever been really tired and really sleepy and that alarm's going off and you're reaching just trying to slap that thing and... Saints, much of the church is asleep. See, because busyness doesn't equal fruitfulness. Revelation 2 and 3, Jesus makes a couple of really powerful statements. You have the appearance of being alive, but you're dead. Then he comes and he says, you've done all these things, but you've forsaken your first love. All activity in the kingdom of God that is not born from intimacy with God is unauthorized. All activity in the kingdom of God that is not born from intimacy with God is unauthorized. God is raising up a church. He's raising up a people. He's raising up messengers, alarm clocks that are going to awake. I really believe there are messages about to come forth in the body. You're not just going to say amen. You're going to say amen, ouch. Thanks so much for having me tonight. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for this gathering. Lord, I thank you from the front to the back that there's no one here by mistake. That your Holy Spirit drew each and every one of us for such a time as this. And God, I pray right now by the anointing of the Holy Ghost that you would begin to release fresh fire. Lord, we pray for an oil of intimacy. Lord, a wave of love sickness to sweep this place in Jesus' name. Lord, I lift up Michigan. And we thank you for the state of Michigan. And we begin to decree right now in Jesus' name that this state will be a state that will have oil in its lamps. This state will be a state of forerunner messengers that will herald the return of the Lord. Lord, we thank you for an awaking and a shaking. God, would you come and shake everything that can be shaken? Would you release the gift of hunger in this room? Lord, we are hungry for you. Lord, we confess our need for you. Lord, we ask for grace to get over ourselves. For grace to get over what we want. Lord, we say yes to denying ourselves, to picking up our cross and to follow you no matter the cost no matter the cost no matter the cost Lord we'll pay any price in Jesus name amen amen the gift of spiritual hunger I believe that God right now is trying to transition the American church into a deeper place with Him. Because I believe that there's a great harvest that's coming, there are going to be thousands and thousands of sons and daughters, prodigals that are going to return home, and when they come back, they cannot afford to find a church asleep. I don't believe that our current programs and going through the motions and playing games is going to be what we need in the hours that are coming to the body. And so I'm carrying an urgency. I hope that you hear my heart. I love the body of Christ. I have given my life full time to laboring among the body of Christ. But I believe that the Lord loves us too much to leave us the way that He found us. I believe that come as you are does not mean stay as you are. I believe that there's a deeper place. I love Ezekiel 47. It talks about this river. And in the river, there some places it's ankle deep. And then you get going and it's knee deep. And then you get going and it's waist deep. And it gets deeper and deeper. And, and every person in this room, you're at a current place in God. Some of you are toe deep. Some of you are waist deep. Some of you are knee deep. But I'm here to encourage you and declare to you tonight that no matter where you're at with God, there's always a deeper place of encounter there. And how we get to that deeper place of encounter is we ask God for the gift of spiritual hunger that will take us farther in Him than we ever could in our own strength. 
See, I could preach the paint off the walls. I could preach till I'm blue in the face about there, there's more of God for the church. But unless the Holy Spirit's activity, unless there's a hunger and a thirst for righteousness that we begin to cultivate in our lives, we're just going to begin to spin our wheels. I don't know if you've ever heard of a man named John G. Lake. People ask me, Jeremiah, how do you stir spiritual hunger? For me, the number one way I stir spiritual hunger is I read revival history. I read of past current moves of God. I read of past men and women that laid their life down to see God break in in a generation. And it makes me hungry for more. John G. Lake may be the greatest healing ministry of all time. Over 100,000 confirmed medical documented miracles in his ministry. He saw the power of God. He saw the dead raised, the sick healed the lame walk and at the end of his life they asked him John what's the one gift if you could that you could impart to a generation and without hesitation he said I would release the gift of spiritual hunger because we can't shift the body into the next dimension, the next encounter that God has for them, unless they begin to embrace the gift of spiritual hunger. We're all at a certain place in God. We're, we're ankle deep, we're knee deep. You know, I've found that the greatest enemy of going deeper in God is thinking that you're already deep. Because see, here we go back to being full of ourselves. Here we go back to the religious spirit, the pride thing. I've heard it all, seen it all, known it all, read it all. And that very thinking is keeping you from another encounter that could take you deeper. People ask me, what's your experience of God? And I describe to them an ocean, a vast, vast ocean. They say to me, Jeremiah, you, you talk about encounters all the time. You talk about salvations and deliverances and breakthroughs that you see. I mean, tell us about your experience of God. And, and, and I describe to them this vast ocean. And I, I say, well, I've, I've picked up a seashell. Well, I've, 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 I've picked up a little sand. Can, can I tell you as, Obviously a younger person, but maybe someone that's had a lot of encounters with God that I don't even think I've seen anything yet. That Paul said, oh, the wisdom, oh, the, oh, the knowledge, oh, the vastness of all that God is. Could I encourage you tonight as we begin to dive into the word of God to begin to make this small confession, God, I need you. God, I haven't seen anything yet. You know, the Bible says that things that ears haven't heard and eyes haven't seen, and we, we pray these things. Lord, do it in my generation. I read of, of Wesley and Finney and, and the miracles in Azusa Street. And I'm like, Lord, but, but here's the thing. If, if things start happening that our ears haven't heard and our eyes haven't seen, we can't run when they happen. 
We can't pray these prayers like, Lord, do the things that my eyes haven't seen and do the things that my ears haven't heard. But then when they start happening in front of us, we start running. I believe in progressive revelation. I believe that there's a place in God that we keep going deeper and deeper into His presence. But the elephant in the room tonight is the price. See, because the deeper we go in God, the less we can take with us. The closer we get in His presence, the more we have to lose sight of our own. I travel all over the nation. I ask people all the time, do you want more of God? Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you willing to pay a price? There, there's been people that have hungered and thirst and desired a move of the Holy Spirit. But when God began to, let's say, I know this is going to be awkward in America, check your pocketbook. What if how we are spending our money can directly affect whether we're stepping into personal revival or not? What if one of the first things God comes after in revival is our money because it has our heart the most? See, what if the Lord promised revival at Lakeside Assembly, but the price was a 40-day fast? What if that breakthrough, what if that healing, what if that deliverance, what if that next encounter, and again, I just want to avail myself to you and tell you, hunger is painful. My walk in God, sometimes it looks schizophrenic. I mean, I'm in this season where I'm going deeper in God and I'm running, and then I hit that daggone wall. And all of a sudden, I'm struck with my barrenness. I'm struck with my lack of prayer. I'm struck with my desire, my lack of desire for more of God. And then I've got to start fasting and praying. And then all of a sudden, it's like, boom, the dam breaks. And I go a little further, and then I hit another wall. And then I've got to dig. I've got to fight. I've got to cry out. And boom, it breaks. And... But at each and every stage of my life, there's a price that God is asking me to pay. And whether you're here tonight and you're ankle deep, or you're here tonight and you're waist deep, or maybe you think you're swimming around underwater, I'm telling you that there's a third great awakening that is coming to America. There's a promised outpouring of the Holy Spirit that is going to flood the house of God. And the Lord is not just looking for people that want more of Him. He is looking for people that are willing to pay a price for more of Him. But Lord, make us spiritually hungry. Lord, restore desperation to the church. It looks like something. I truly believe that what it looks like to be desperate for God is, do you have a prayer life? Because nothing says, God, I need you more than a life lived down on our knees. We've got more programs than prayer meetings going on at church. Saints, that's alarming. I'm not mad. There's a fire. There's a passion. 
There's a desire. I see a generation lost and broken and dying. I just had an encounter literally yesterday. Left church, went to Publix grocery shopping. I was wearing a t-shirt that said prophetic. Supernaturally prophetic. The bag boy, he looks at the shirt and he goes, prophetic. What is that? And I said, brother, it's just God sharing his heart with people. And he goes, you think he's got something for me? I said, oh yeah. So I just started going to town on him. He just, he started bagging slower and slower and slower. And then he said, hey, can like, I take your groceries out? You know, normally I'm like tough guy, like, no, 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 I got him. But I just felt the Holy Spirit's anointing, like, yeah, brother, come on. Got out to the truck, this young man, 17 years old. I asked him, do you know Jesus Christ? He says, who is this man, Jesus Christ? 17 years old, at a local, local grocery store, never ever heard of this man, Jesus Christ. Could I propose to you that maybe that one of the greatest hindrances in America to evangelizing is you and I think everyone's already heard about Jesus? There, there, there's a lost and a dying generation out there. I believe they're going to be radically set free. I believe that the Lord is going to bring great deliverance. And when they come into the house of God, this is what I'm getting after tonight. What are they going to find? Complacency, lethargy, apathy, going through the motions, quoting scriptures, singing songs. Listen, saints, I've got a brother right now in a federal prison serving a 10-year prison sentence without parole. He sang the songs, he quoted the scriptures, never had an encounter with Jesus. See, I don't believe the Lord is impressed with our programs. I don't believe He's impressed with the size of our church. What God is after is a people. We don't need a new prophetic word. It's in Chronicles. I think it's chapter 7, maybe verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, that's what God is looking for in a generation. But we can't get to our knees until we embrace spiritual hunger that will drive us there, that will reveal our need for God, and then we'll begin to walk in this kind of anointing and revival that I believe is coming. But I believe in being a man of the Word. I I don't want you to, to... To do this thing with me. I believe in the word of God. I I have lined my life up with the word. But I truly believe that experiential knowledge is transformational knowledge. I truly believe that there's a place of having daily and weekly encounters with the Son of Man that will leave us changed forever. I'm not talking about knowing God in our head. I'm talking about knowing Him in our hearts. The deeper we go, the less 
we can take with us. So I want to share a quick, a few quick testimonies about my own journey of, of going deeper in God and, and saying, Lord, I want to keep this flame. I want to keep this fire. I want to keep this desire. I want to always believe that there's more than what I'm currently experiencing. I don't want to settle for the manna that God provided yesterday. I want to enjoy the fresh manna that's available today. I just don't want to build a memorial to what God has done yesterday. I'm looking to build an altar to what He's done today. See, your testimony is everything that God has done since you've been saved. But most people, when they give their testimony, they give everything that God did prior to them being saved. And half of them glorify the devil more than they do God. What if everything that happened before you got saved was your history? And everything that's happened since salvation is your testimony. Here's the problem. Do we have a testimony? See, I love talking about what God did in the past. I love talking about what God did last year. But beloved, forget the afterglow. I've got to meet with God today. I've got to meet with God tomorrow. I thank God for what He did last Sunday. But I'm believing for Him to do something today. And if we would, uh, he, he longs to reveal himself to us. He is forever self-disclosing himself to humanity through the word of God, through the person of Jesus Christ, and through daily encounters that you and I can have. But when we begin to say yes to that spiritual hunger, he's going to come after our stuff. He's going to come after our calendar. Can I tell you there's a place of encountering God that will override what time it is and what's on the schedule? I was invited to a large church last year. They said they wanted revival. I don't even know what that means anymore in the church. Show up to a church. Doesn't matter where it was. Walk into the guy's office. He's sitting in his chair with his feet on his desk. Says, son, I planted this church 50 years ago. There's nothing that I haven't seen. Nothing I haven't heard. I'm going to give you 20 minutes tonight. And I'm thinking, Lord, why did you send me here? So we go out to service and I'm just, I'm just praying in tongues like, Lord, please, we just, this was a waste. Get out, I'm there preaching. It was literally five minutes I began to preach on fresh encounters in God and Him drawing this generation to a deeper place, wanting to bring freedom and deliverance. And there was a young man that got up out of his chair and walked right down. Several thousand people there that night preaching just like this, he comes right down about here and he says, I want to be delivered of homosexuality. No altar call, no nothing, just in the middle, just being drawn, apprehended and arrested by the Holy Spirit. And I said, I bind the demon of homosexuality. I just just offended some of you. I bind the demon of homosexuality off your life. He fell down and began to slither. Hold on, hold on. He fell on the ground and began to slither like a snake. 
It was as if the air was sucked out of the room. (gasps) And no one knew what to do. See, there was a level of demonic power manifested that the house of God could not even contend against. This is happening everywhere that I travel. Demons manifesting in church and no one knows what to do. Great programs, lots of people, lots of money. No one has power and authority over the demonic realm because we're not hungry for God. We don't have a prayer life. We're not spending time with Him in His presence and asking for more of Him. So this young man is literally manifesting a demon. The air is sucked out of the room. I go to the pastor and I say, hey, I feel like the Lord spoke to me and said what this man needs is an encounter with the love of a father. The pastor said, I'm not interested. Wouldn't even touch the young man. Wouldn't even, no. The Lord began to speak to me a word about this generation and saints. I, I... I literally come trembling. I'm I'm prophesying to you that we are about to see the greatest harvest of souls that the world has ever seen. And my concern is that the church is not ready. My concern is that a radical generation is going to get delivered and set free and come off of fresh encounters with God and walk into a church near them with a church that had an encounter 20 years ago but hasn't had one since. We we want to pray for that God would touch our children, but when are we going to get touched? We, we, we want to pray that God would deliver our children when we're addicted to sitcoms every night. And so the pastor literally, he just walks out, just see ya. Because he knew it was going more than 20 minutes. Saints, we were there till two in the morning. There, there was a wave of God's glory that hit that building. When this young man got set free, there was a teen challenge that brought over 100 young men. They all got saved that night. They, they all got radically delivered and set free. And I begin to prophesy to them, this is what is coming. This is a prophetic sign to the church that we're about to see a harvest of souls that we've never seen before, but it just might get a little messy. God forbid he might want to do something more than 20 minutes. I mean, I'm telling you, hunger will drive you to places that nothing else ever would. I I began to have a hunger to grow in prophetic ministry as a young man. I hitchhiked from Florida to Pennsylvania to go to a prophet's conference. I meet this pastor named Dave, never met him before. He says, what in the world? I'm, I'm literally holding a sign by the road that says, looking for a ride to the prophet's conference. Hunger looks like something. Sometimes lunacy. And I meet, I meet this gentleman. He pays for the conference. I, I would not recommend this. I sleep in the hotel room with him in another bed, but I just, 
I'm with this guy. He took me in as a son. He bought me my plane ticket back. Hunger looks like something. Then I, I got real crazy and I said, Lord, I want to fellowship in your sufferings. See, because do we want God or not? Do we just want the fuzzy, wuzzy, feel good, lovely fire? Or do we want refining fire? Uh, there was a hunger that drove me. I literally left everything and lived in a leper colony in India. I lost 40 pounds. I lived in 110 degree heat, wrapped up in a mosquito net. It was hell on earth. Paul said, I've resolved to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. No clue what that even meant until God was all that I had. I travel around the country preaching. Some people drive 10, 12 hours to come and receive a word from God, but people that live five minutes down the road won't come to the service. See, hunger looks like something. Are you hungry for God tonight? I believe we're at a good start because we're here on a Monday night. We've got lots to do. But if we say yes to spiritual hunger, he's going to begin to come and wreck our schedules. He's going to begin to reorder and readjust our way of life so that when we become born again, which I believe many of us here are born again, but I'm telling you, when we got born again, God wove divine DNA inside of us and he put a hunger for the supernatural down inside of our spirits and days are coming to the church where it's not going to be normal when God doesn't break out. See, we're accustomed to it being normal when He doesn't move. But I'm telling you, there's a fire, there's a hunger, there's a holy desire that's coming where we will begin to have a God-sized appetite. This is like a John Knox of Scotland back in the day that said, Give me Scotland or I die. Give me Shelby Township or I die. There's a passion, there's a zeal, there's a fervency. Not, oh Lord, save my child. I'm talking about what kind of price are you willing to pay to see God win a generation for Jesus? I feel so privileged. I feel so blessed to be alive in this generation. You were born for more than a nine to five in retirement. We were born for more than three songs and a nice message. You were born to live in revival. To be sustained in revival. To have fresh encounters with Jesus Christ every day that you wake up. It's the most exhilarating. It's the most adventurous. I don't understand bored Christianity. I don't understand going through the motions. I declare to you tonight, some of you, you think you've met God, but I'm here to declare to you, the Son of God has come, and He wants to deliver you out of boredom and get you into the throne room, fascinated, captivated, undone by His love. There's more. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. I told, I told a preacher one time, I really offended him, and I said, Sir, you can't get anybody saved at your church because they're looking at you. Depressed. Bored. Miserable. I feel like the Lord has called me to ban miserable Christianity in the body of Christ. 
I'm looking around and I'm saying, God, there's got to be more than this. I've gotten to the point in my life, I told the Lord, I quit if this is all there is. That's my prayer on the knees. Lord, if we're just going to have good church services and nice buildings. And Lord, I want more than that. Because there's a generation coming that is living for face-to-face encounters with God. And they've got to get in contact with other believers that have seen God face-to-face. I'm the kind of guy, when I hear that there's a move of God, I'm going. I started hearing about all these miracles out in Redding, California. A ministry called Bethel. Bethel, Redding, California. Pastor Bill Johnson. Miracles of power of God. I'm like, i got to go see this for myself. Listen, there's more that you can get from being in person than a live stream. Hello. Sometimes I just wish we would ban live stream. No more. you got to come. You, you've got you've to get a touch for yourself. So I go out there with a couple of pastors. We went on a fast. We go out there. We didn't go for a conference. We said, Lord, we just want the real deal. We want to encounter you. We go out there, and we're in the prayer room, and I sit next to this couple, and I get a prophetic word for this guy, and I give him this prophetic word. He falls down on the ground and starts crying, and I waited five minutes. He's not getting up. We got hungry for lunch, so I just left. I go out into the parking lot and I hear that familiar voice of the Holy Spirit. He says, Jeremiah, you need to go back in there and invite them to lunch. So we go back and we invite this couple to lunch. And we're sitting in the Olive Garden in Redding, California with this family. They've got a couple of girls, probably seven, eight, nine years old, young young girls. The oldest one was 12. And we're just sitting there and they're sharing their story. They're from Switzerland. Hunger looks like something. This couple living in Switzerland, he was co-pastoring with his father at a Baptist church. And a team from Reading comes and preaches on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He receives the baptism and his father kicks him out of the church. Nowhere to go, nothing to do. Hunger looks like something. They sell everything that they have and move to Reading. The vision that I had, the prophetic word is, I literally saw the fight that him and his dad had in that prayer room. And I prophesied to him and said, the Lord is going to honor your hunger, sir. He's going to become the father that your father never could be for you. So we're sitting there, we're having this conversation. I mean, uh, the pastors, we're bawling our eyes out like, have you ever met those people who you thought you were hungry until you met them? Like they made your fire look like no fire. <laughs> These people are just telling us their story. We felt led to pay for their meal. Paid for their meal. We get out to the parking lot and the Lord says, Jeremiah, there's more. There's a greater encounter that I have for you. So we go back and we say, you know, we're talking. What should we do? We said, how much groceries do you have? They said, oh, we don't have anything. We've been fasting the last four days. No food, no money. We walk over to Target 
were walking in, and literally at the table in Olive Garden, I had given them a prophetic word for their 12-year-old daughter, and the prophetic word was this. I said, the Lord is going to use her in a modeling and acting career, and I just feel like the Lord is going to provide for your family through that. So they said, you know, thank you very much. We get to Target literally a couple hundred feet away. We're walking into Target. A blonde woman comes out of the aisle, heads straight for the mother and says, I'm so-and-so. I'm from a modeling and acting agency in Reading. Points to the daughter and says, we want to hire her on the spot. It was the fastest fulfilled word of prophecy I've ever seen. It's like me prophesying to you and then you leave and it happens. Boom. They start weeping. We start crying. Saints, when we felt God on this, we went and got a couple more grocery carts. Okay, we went from buying them the the BOGO, buy one, get one, to we're throwing turkeys and chickens and, oh, you want that? Here's three. I mean, we're just, we're sensing when the Lord begins to breathe, please hear me, when He begins to release that hunger, when He begins to release that desire, do not say no. The two men are on the road to Emmaus. They were walking with Jesus. He was revealing himself to them. And then they are the ones who wanted to turn in for the night. I believe those men, had they not turned in for the night, they could have walked with Jesus every day, all day, and He would have continually revealed Himself to them. I believe that there are fresh encounters that the Lord wants to release in this room. And as we begin to walk through these doors, as God begins to ask us for whatever, it might be your money, it might be your time, it might be your gifts, it might be your energy. When the Lord's breathing on something, just keep handing out because you know what we can't outgive God there is no sacrifice in the kingdom of God that will ever be wasted we we're loaded up with the groceries and 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 out in the car we're ready to cut it off praise the Lord good meal today good groceries met with God at my devotional this morning that's good you're going to miss the encounter at night Lord says, there's more. There's more encounters. We're thinking, we're thinking. I mean, this is fun. What do we do? How much gas do you have in your car? None. None. They said like some, we've been believing God. You ever met those people? He just fills my tank. We've been, huh? We go to the gas station. God is my witness. I've written about these in books. These are all real lifetime encounters that I've had. Go to the gas station. Start pumping their gas. A a car drives up on the opposite side of the pump. The guy gets out of the car and literally doesn't even introduce himself. Starts prophesying to me and these two other pastors. The power of God hits us and we get slain in the spirit in the parking lot gas station. I am literally on my back in a gas station in Redding, California, thinking, what in the world is going on? This guy, he's, I mean, he wasn't like, you know, Baptist. He was, shandarabasakababa. I mean, he was, in the name of Jesus. He just going to town on us like we were demon-possessed or something. I mean, he was, shut And literally, we laid there ten minutes. Get up, and I asked this guy, who are you? 
He said, let me tell you a story. I pastored a church in Washington for 30 years, and I invited a team from Reading to come to my church. They came on a weekend, and the power of God came so powerfully, I got put on my face, and God said, it's time to resign. On his face, he says, oh, praise the Lord. I've been wanting to get set free. What do you want me to do, Lord? The Lord says, you're going to go to Reading Supernatural School of Ministry. He said, you want me, 30 years in the ministry, to go learn about the supernatural with a bunch of 18-year-olds? The Lord said, absolutely, that's what I'm saying. This brother, this father, resigns his church in Washington. Hunger looks like something. He goes to Redding, California. He fights the pride. I mean, we're having a conversation. He said, son, can you imagine 30 years in the ministry giving up everything to become like a child? To become like a child and learn what it means to walk in faith again? He said, I'm having the time of my life. He said, I do this every day. I just, I meet with God. I wake up and I just go find people that I can victimize with the goodness of God. <laughs> and, the, and the Lord said to me, see, there are encounters that lead to other encounters. See, what happens if we stopped at Olive Garden? What happens if we stopped at Target? There's no more encounters. But I'm prophesying to you that there are encounters that lead to other encounters. Let me tell you just a couple more encounters. Is, is this okay? I do this to stir your faith. Because the trap that you're feeling right now is this. Oh, he's so anointed. The devil is a liar. What God is doing in this generation has nothing to do with what he's doing with leaders for on platforms. The Lord has brought me here tonight to testify of the encounters that I've had with him. The hunger that he's literally lighting me up inside again to encourage you that there are fresh encounters that God has for your own life. A couple months ago, I was at our church, and we, you know the worship team was just killing it, doing a great job. The bass guitar player Eric—I mean, he was cutting a rug. I thought to myself, "Let's take this brother out to lunch this week and just love on him." So I get my phone out, I text this brother, "Hey, Eric, this is Jeremiah. Great job today. Would love to get lunch with you on Tuesday." He texts back, "Hey, Jeremiah, great to see you." Would love to get lunch on Tuesday. So we set the place. I show up to the restaurant on Tuesday. I take a, a seat in the booth and I text him, say, Hey, Eric, this is Jeremiah. I'm here in the restaurant, you know, booth three to the left. And he texts me back and says, Hey, I'm here too. I'm, I'm in this, this section, this space. And I look over and I'm like, Okay. So I don't recognize that guy. So I get out my phone and I do the same thing. And all of a sudden I realize I'm texting with a guy and I don't know who he is. Track with me. So I had a decision to make. I can either just walk out and say, man, this is weird. I'm on drugs. I mean, this is... Saints, I'm telling you, when God gets hold of you, you better watch out. Literally right now with my wife, I have like a 45-minute window. If I say I'm going to be home at 5, that means 5.45 because she has no clue what's going to happen in the 45 minutes before I get home. <laughs> what if there really was a lost and dying world around you that if Jesus Christ came and split the sky, many of our friends and family would die and go to hell? 
Maybe there's not only lost people that need Jesus, maybe there's a sleeping church that needs to be revived. So I decided to do the bathroom trick. It's when you walk by somebody really fast and just do this. So I walk by this guy's table real quick. I'm like, nope, nope, Lord, Lord, Lord. I sit down at this guy's table. I say, Eric? He says, Jeremiah? 20 seconds of awkward silence. I'm just looking at this guy. Like, did I eat breakfast or like, you know, medication? And he says, I know you. I said, praise the Lord. I said, tell me. He said, I bought a table off of you from Craigslist seven years ago. I said, okay, so I must have had your number in my phone, texted the wrong guy, but I said, that's only half of it. I said, so what are you doing right now? He said, I I pastor a Southern Baptist church. Immediately I got that lump in my throat. I said, okay. He said, we had a young man visit our church this past Sunday named Jeremiah. When you texted me, I thought you were that kid. And when I texted him, I thought he was the base. Are you tracking with me? Not making this stuff up. So we're sitting and I'm like, again, I can just... Saints, I truly believe there's no coincidences in the kingdom of God. Pastor Phil just didn't meet this man's son. Oh, nice to meet you. There's a divine encounter waiting there. There, There's a setup. There's an opportunity. I get on planes all the time and get upgraded to 1A. I don't fly first class. I stopped asking, gee, Lord, why am I 1A? I just start praying for the guy or gal in 1B because they're about to have an encounter. I don't, I don't even waste time anymore. Whoa, Lord, oh, this is pretty cool. I can't believe this. I zero in and say, what are you saying right now? This guy's sitting, ten, and I'm, so we start having lunch, and my wife's battling depression. Church is not doing real well. And the Holy Spirit, his anointing has just grown on me as this brother's talking. And I'm literally not even listening to anything he's saying. I'm just lost in the Holy Spirit. We go out, and I said, brother, we go out to the parking lot. And I said, brother, I believe the Lord wants to deliver your wife and set her free right now. And he wants to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. We start praying, the fire of God hits them. This Southern Baptist pastor gets baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire, starts speaking in tongues. I immediately knew his wife was free, and he, this is, this is denominationalism at its best. What am I gonna do? I said, what do you mean you're, I said, preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit on Sunday. He said, but the board and but the, I said, brother, what God is doing in your heart cannot be quenched by man. But, but, but I'm, I'm telling you this kind of story, but think about how far out of God's way he went to give this brother a fresh encounter with the Lord. See, I want to tell you, I'm not against structure, but I'm against structure without life. 
I'm not against form. I'm just against form without power. I know this is going to stretch, stretch some of you. But when I was in Bible college in pastoral theology and they had us do the 52-week sermon series, you know, line up your 52-week sermon series, I got an F. Because I asked God about it. That was the problem. I went to the Lord in prayer and said, hey, I need 52 sermons. He said, just write Holy Spirit and turn it in. So I write Holy Spirit 52 times. The guy flunked me like literally I handed the paper. He's like, F. He said, I know you're kind. He said, you think you can, listen to this man, you think you can have a fresh encounter with God every week. You think you can actually meet with God every week and he can give you a fresh message from the Lord. 18 years old, I said, absolutely, sir, absolutely. I said, I'm not going to serve stale bread to the body of Christ. I want hot bread, like a hot loaf of bread. Now hear me. I'm not bashing pastors that have 52-week sermon series. But here's my question, and I've asked it all over. But what happens if God wanted to move? What happens if we had a plan, we had a skeleton, and all of a sudden God moved? See, there's a difference between ordering our services for when God moves versus ordering our services for if He moves. When we invite God in and we say, Lord, I want an encounter, I want hunger, I mean, basically what we're saying is, Like it's hands up, lids, like no limitations, no boundaries, no veils, no Lord come and have your way. And I'm just telling you, we serve a God, He'll believe you. He'll take you up on your word. Some of the most, it's like that song, He gives and takes away. I always cringe when we sing that song. People are, my heart will choose to say, I'm like, no it won't. I mean, Lord, I want the fire, I want the passion, I want the zeal, I want the encounters, I want the third great awakening, and then we start coming and knocking on the door of our hearts, what will be our answer? If you have in your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 10, and we'll begin to land the plane. We've got to read the Bible so you don't think I'm a false prophet, so I do read the Bible. But I really believe the Lord gave me a word tonight and he said he wants to stretch us. He wants to stretch us. He wants to expand the borders. He wants to challenge what we think he can do and why we don't think he can do it. The Lord wants to get us out of cruise control. There are some of you in this room, you are on cruise control. You are going through the motion. Some of you, all you need to do to get into revival is stop having your bored, stale, devotional at in the morning and start having it at night. See, I about had a pastor die on me in a service when I told him, I don't believe in the 365-day-a-year Bible. 
We about did his funeral right in the front. He said, you don't believe in the 365 day year? I said, no, sir, I don't. Because what happens if on day 180, you're in John 14 and the Lord says, I want you to read John 14 and still until you get to 365. What if all of a sudden, just check, check, I did my devotional, I don't even know what it said, I don't even, I can't even tell you what happened, but I did my Bible reading. What happens if all of a sudden the glory of God came and that those, those pages, those words begin to, and you begin to feel it, you begin to experience. Many people say to me, I know that scripture. Here's my question. Does that scripture know you? There's more! There's more! The Bible is not boring. We are! God is not boring. We are. He's going to set this, oh, here we go, this video game addicted, entertainment-driven culture. He's going to come and deliver us and set us free and set our feet on the sea of glass and begin to behold the living creatures and the elders. There's one who sits upon the throne. His name is Jesus. He's worthy. He paid it all. And He's looking for a generation that will fully surrender their lives to Him. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be joyful. It's going to be exhilarating and I'm never looking back see saints I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that is at work in you and I the gospel is the best news that anyone has ever heard of I'm tired of presenting the gospel to people like God is some needy God that needs more followers Please feel sorry for him. He needs more followers in Shelby Township. Saints, who are we talking about? We need to get hit with fresh awe and wonder. We need to behold the majesty on high. We need to begin to declare him, not just because we heard about him in Sunday school, but we've experienced him internally. I don't care if you think I'm some raving lunatic. I do it for free. I don't, I don't need the money. I don't need another pulpit. We're getting a hundred invitations a month. I can go anywhere and do anything that I want, but it's just, he's undone me. He's unraveled me. He's got my number. He knows every hair on my head. He knows when I sit and when I rise. I'm not going to spend my life chasing after other lovers. I'm going to bow down before the majesty and say, Lord, I give you my life. I want to lay my life down like John the Baptist so that a generation could encounter you. Just let, just ask Holy Spirit right now, touch me. Touch me. Come and change me. Lord, release the gift of hunger in this room. Don't come visit us. God, come wreck us. Everything. Everything. Time, money, energy. Lord, we say yes again. wants to take our limitations and 
turn them into invitations for more. He wants to take our ceilings and turn them into footstools. So here in Acts chapter 10, it's a little bit of a background. I promise I'm beginning to land the plane. You have in the book of Acts, I'm, 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 I was thinking of a man, Lord, who's a man that experienced so much of you, but yet you came after him and you said there's more. And the Lord said, take another look at my son, Peter. So I found myself over the past two years literally camping out in Acts 10 because I see this massive shift. I see this massive apprehending, this challenging, this this coming to a man. I mean, in Acts 1 through 9, I mean, we've got the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We've got Peter and John. We've got uh, Ananias and Sapphira. We've got Saul being converted. I mean, you're talking the greatest supernatural activity ever displayed. In Acts 9, literally, Peter just raises Tabitha from the dead. And then in Acts chapter 10, if you'll read with me, it says that there was a certain man at Caesarea named Cornelius. Verse 2, he was a devout man, one who feared God with all his household and gave many alms to the Jewish people and prayed to God continually. About the ninth hour of the day, he clearly saw in a vision an angel of God who had just come to him and said to him, Cornelius... And fixing his gaze upon him and being much alarmed, he said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. To keep the story short, this centurion Cornelius, he sends two men to get Peter, the apostle, the veteran, the experienced one, the one who walked with the Lord. I mean, he, you talk about a guy who had just about seen it all, heard it all, done it all. I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find in that day a guy like Peter. There's this guy, this Cornelius. I, I don't know if he's saved. He has some type of knowledge about God. But what I want us to hear is he's living outside the gate. I truly believe God has spoken a word to me for this nation that there is about to be a Cornelius uprising. There are about to be men and women who don't even go to church that have some type of respect and honor for God and God himself is about to apprehend them. I've been contending for Justin Bieber. Talk about a kid who grew up in the church, has some type of knowledge and understanding. I'm doing a, a meeting last year with a guy named Lance Wallnow, who has a lot of authority and a lot of sphere of influence in the business world. And he does this event, and it's like 2000 bucks just to get in the door. $2,000 just to get into the conference. There's business owners, I mean, really wealthy people coming. He told me I had to wear a suit, which I didn't like. Then he told me I had to do a laser light show. You know, you don't tell prophets to do laser shows. Like, just let them be wild. So I'm sitting there in the meeting, and a woman is like on this row, and I stand her up, and I said, the Lord says that what... Satan stole from the cradle. God says, I'm more than able. She falls out. Shaking. All this craziness. I bring her up and I said, ma'am, who are you? She said, I'm Justin Bieber's mom. 
What Satan stole from the cradle, God says, I'm more than able. I said, man, the Lord is going to raise up Justin Bieber like a Cornelius. I'm prophesying to you, Hollywood, the media, there are about to be some of the most unlikely men and women. They're about to have an encounter. And I, and I have to ask myself, with, with all the phenomenal activity in the church from Acts 1 through 9, is it not interesting that God had to go outside the church to shift them into the next encounter? God is trying, I'm gonna, I want to get you the cusp of this message. God is trying to transition the body of Christ into a deeper place of encounter with Him to get us ready for the harvest that's coming. We cannot afford a day coming in the church when a revival, fiery, wild-eyed generation comes into a church that's apathetic, lethargic, and half asleep. It can't happen. It won't happen. And God is raising up messengers like myself that are going to sound the alarm, that are going to awaken the body of Christ and assure them there is more of God than what you're currently experiencing. But it's interesting to me, God has to go outside all that they had seen, all that they had heard. He touches Cornelius. Then it says that he sends these two two men to Peter. It says, verse 9, on the next day as they were on their way approaching, Peter went up to pray and became hungry and was desiring to eat. But while they were making preparations, he falls into a trance. And behold, the sky opened up, a certain object like a great sheet coming down, lowered four corners to the ground. In it were all kinds of animals, crawling creatures. And Peter hears a voice that tells him to kill and eat. And Peter, the great veteran, the great apostle, he says, yes, Lord, that's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) I want you to hear me. There is no one in this room that is exempt from a deeper encounter with God. If the Lord would come to Peter the Apostle and seemingly surprise him with a next wave and a next dimension of the Holy Spirit, surely you and I tonight could be humble enough to get on our knees and say, Lord, if you came to Peter, I know that you're coming to me. I want this gift of hunger. I want this gift of desperation. I want to be fully alive in Jesus Christ. Everything that His death paid for. Everything that He rose again for. I want released in my life. Lord, I want the full reward of Your suffering to be released to this generation in Jesus' name. Surely there might be a cry. See, it says that at midnight, the cry rang out. Telling you the death of Billy Graham was a midnight cry to this nation. You want a prophetic word about the death of Billy Graham? Here it is. His death is the midnight cry to this generation that Jesus Christ is returning soon. And the bride will make herself ready. 
I just got to believe there's at least one hungry person in here. I don't care if I just came for one. So tired of business as usual. Bored Christianity going through the motions. I'm just, I'm done. I'm, I'm looking at Peter thinking, Lord. He says to God, never. Never. Lord, I have never, never anything unclean. I mean, I'm asking myself, saints, what's that never? What, what's that one thing that God would knock and say, yep, that's it. Isn't it like going on a fast and we just fast the stuff that we don't like anyways? Went to Bible college with a girl addicted to Starbucks, but she always fasted food and just drank five Starbucks a day. Lord, you can have it, except for this, this, and this. Lord, open up a door. He opens up the door. Can I have another one? Well, what about desperate hunger? What, what, what about that woman who literally Jesus calls a dog? And rather than get offended, she says, Lord, I'll just take the scraps. I'll, I'll take anything. Just, just give me a taste. What, what about the woman with the issue of blood, like our brother was saying, and so desperate, she, she pushes past the crowd and says, if I could only grab the hem of his garment. What about the woman with the alabaster box who had to get her way through all the religious, pious, veterans of the faith and break that expensive perfume and say, Jesus, I've got to have you. What about hunger like that? Peter said, never, Lord. I have never eaten anything unholy. A voice came to him a second time, what God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. This happened three times and immediately the object was taken up and it says Peter was greatly perplexed. But the Lord said to him, go downstairs and go with these men. I'm just summing it up for you. And Peter goes with these men. And what we're seeing here, this sheet, it's the gospel is about to be spread to the Gentile world. I mean, saints, you and I are here tonight because of this encounter that Peter had. Can I tell you that your surrender to a fresh encounter can literally pave the way for someone else's encounter? Your yes today will open up a door for somebody else's yes tomorrow. I'm prophesying to parents, your yes today of living your life on your face will be the open door for your children to come into the kingdom of God. Is is what we're living for worth dying for? I'm just, I just want to run some laps around here. It's like fire in my bones. Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now. The gift of hunger. Lord, we pray that cold hearts would become warm hearts. We pray that warm hearts would become fiery hearts. 
Lord, let it not be the zeal and passion of our youth. Let it be the zeal and passion even in older years. A couple of weeks ago, I got totally flipped out. I mean, you're talking encounters. I go to this conference in Fort Mill, South Carolina with Rick Joyner a couple of weeks ago. I'm preaching, and it's a bunch of 50s-plus people. It was like I was at a youth revival. I have never in my life seen as many on fire 50-plus believers. I literally, to this day, I can't get over it. And they're prophesying, we're the Joshua and Caleb. Forget the youth zeal thing. We want the fire. We want the encounters. We want the fire of God. Forget the youth thing. And I'm thinking, my God, what in the world? Oh, the older saints have the wisdom and the younger saints have the passion in this. I'm like, they didn't buy into that sale. But what, what, what if the fire that God wants to release isn't just for the young, it's for the more seasoned? What if your best years aren't behind you, they're ahead of you? Peter, he, he, he goes, he goes with these brothers. And he starts preaching the gospel. And while he's preaching to them, the Holy Spirit falls upon them. They're speaking in tongues. I keep reading it. It doesn't even say they got saved. It just says they got filled with the Holy Ghost. So I don't know when the bow your head and close your eyes thing happened, but it was just... I'm not here to talk about that. They're, they're, they're experiencing a, an incredible outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But here's what I believe the Lord is saying. If you're taking notes, let, let me just wind, let me just land, okay? I want to give you tonight three practicals, because here's my heart. To me, there has to be more than listening to some wild nutcase on a Monday night. Okay, there, there has to be more than just pray for me at the altar, brother, so I can get whatever you got. I'll just take it. There, there's got to be more than that. There's got to be a practical, there's got to be something that you and I can do each and every day of our lives to shift and to transition into the more that God is, is pouring out. So let me give you number one. Number one is this. Our no's must become yeses. I truly believe that Peter missed a fresh encounter with God because his last encounter was tongues of fire and in this encounter it was a white sheet. Some of you are in danger of missing out on a fresh encounter with God because He's not going to come this time like He came last time. I'm thankful for Brownsville, for Toronto, for Azusa, for the Great Awakenings. I thank the Lord for the outpourings, what He did last year, what He did yesteryear. But I'm telling you, there's a fresh outpouring, there's a fresh touch, and we can't get caught trying to mimic, trying to parrot, trying to do the same thing over and over again. Lord, what are the no's? All over this room right now, what are the no's? You know what I truly believe? One of the greatest idols in America is called children. 
There's so much child worship going on in this nation, it's unbelievable. Lord, you can have everything but my kids. See, I can get in all sorts of trouble tonight. Millennials, the great child worshipers. What are our no's? What are the white sheets in our lives? What are our never lords? I tell people all the time, if we don't have the fire of God, it's because nothing's on the altar. This, this is this kind of schizophrenia thing I was talking about earlier. It's like I get desperate. I get hungry. Lord, I've got to have you. I've got to. It just happened last night. I just want to watch TV. I just want to veg out. I just want to sit in my recliner, but I've got a choice. Should I either stuff the craving for more of God or should I feed it? And hear me, it's not because anything is wrong with the TV. It's just because there's a higher form of pleasure that God has made available to believers and it's called His presence. And last night, instead of watching a little TV, I literally got wrecked. I made a big puddle. I'm just weeping, crying, sobbing, not because God made me, not because it's the religious thing to do, but I felt His touch, and He wooed me, and He drew me into a fresh encounter, and He listed three things He wanted. Darn it. Come on, track with me. I believe many of us can say yes to the encounter, but are you ready for what He wants? We can cry out for a move of God in America, but are you ready to make the prayer meetings? We can cry out for God to save our children, but are we ready to get rid of X, Y, and Z? All right, I got that deer in the headlight anointing going. It's powerful. There's a great effect on people. Pastor, I've been, I've been thinking about William Seymour. The hunger. You talk about assemblies of God, Pentecostalism. This, this African American brother, he hears about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he says, I gotta have some of that. And here's about a man, Charles Parham, who's teaching and, and has got the baptism. And so he meets this man, and he shows up for the, the class, and the guy says to him, Hey, black people can't come in here. And instead of getting offended, saints, I want to I say something. Offense is the great enemy of spiritual hunger. Many of you have been on track for more of God, and along the way, you were offended somehow, some way, and you let up. I believe there's somebody in here right now, you were hurt by some church leader who rather than stoke your fire, they put it out because they didn't have any. He totally, he, it's like the woman who Jesus calls a dog. That's your Jesus, by the way. 
Hey, you're, you're, you're African-American. You can't come in here. And William Seymour says, that's okay. I'll sit outside and listen. Every right to say, hey, man, forget you. I'm going, I'm going home. But hunger drove him through the offense to apprehend the baptism of the Holy Ghost in fire. And his yes became yes to an entire generation of Pentecostals. Lord, give us this type of hunger in the church that will not take no for an answer. Give us this type of hunger that will take away all our excuses of why we can't. You know, it's amazing how quickly our schedules shift when we have priorities. Was anybody else a really busy guy until they met their wife? See, I'm convinced a lot of times we don't have time for God because we've never met Him. We've heard about Him. We've heard the preacher talk about Him. We've sat in the church and mouthed the words, but we've never had a passionate, hot love affair with Him. The yeses have to become noes. When God comes after things, we've got to focus on what it will release, not on what it's going to cost us. I hear people all the time say, I'm open to the Holy Spirit. No, you're not. Walk into Assemblies of God churches. We're open to the Holy Spirit. No, you're not. You've relegated His ministry to a sign by the road. I don't want to be open to the Holy Spirit. I want to be passionately pursuing His presence with every breath that I have. So I don't know what the no is tonight. I don't, I don't know what the Lord could be putting His finger on, but I'm telling you, God is about to do something in this generation for such a time as this. I fully believe that we want to visit Bible characters, and I'm telling you, they want to visit us. I wake up every day feeling so privileged and so blessed that God chose you and I for such a time as this. One of my heart's cries is, Lord, I don't want to miss out on what you're doing in this generation. It's like I said yesterday, I got saved again. What does that mean, brother? The Lord came and He undid me. He overwhelmed me. He poured out His love and His kindness. And I just balled up in a little puddle and said, Hallelujah, I've been delivered again. He just took another no and turned it into a yes. Second, he wants to challenge our mindsets. If we're going to transition and step into another encounter with God, one, we've got to begin to put these no's on the altars and make that great exchange and say, Lord, I want to take this no and have you turn it into a yes. And then secondly, he's going to challenge our mindsets. When God began to reveal this transition to Peter, it says that he was greatly perplexed in his mind. As if God could actually do something that wouldn't make sense to us. 
I thank God for intelligence. I thank God for academia. I thank God for the mind. Love Him with all our mind, heart, and soul. But how many of you know sometimes or maybe all the time His ways aren't our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. I've always believed that renewed minds must accompany renewal. Lord, what's the new thing that you want to do in my life that I need a shift of a mindset about? The Lord's come after me several times as as a, a church leader about Easter. You know, Easter Sunday, it brings out all the creasters. You know, and this is typically a time where the church waters it down. So if you lived in Lakeland, you would know that around Easter time, the people write in and say, Jeremiah, please don't, don't do what you do on Easter. I, I've got my, my, my relative, my aunt, please just tone it down, calm it down. The people are going to come on Easter and I've had this struggle. I've had this fight. Lord, I, I want people to come into the kingdom. I, I'm really not angry. I have a wife and kids. I, you know, people are like, man, brother, you must beat your kids and yell at your wife and you're a little too intense. I'm like, no, just, it's just called fire. Okay. I, a couple of years ago, I was wrestling with the Lord about this Easter thing and what should we do? And the Lord said, I want you to invite this missionary. I'm like, okay, who is it? He gives me the name and I'm like, Lord, he's on the Al-Qaeda's most wanted list. I said, this guy doesn't, his, his altar call is not, do you want to give, give your heart to Jesus? His altar call is, do you want to die for Jesus? And I'm like, on Easter, like the guests, the family, he goes, oh, oh yeah, I want you to bring them. So I made the phone call. It's the weekend before Easter. I'm literally sweating. I mean, I just, all I can tell you is when you open up that door and say yes to God, get ready. For adventure, for joy, for a little bit of healthy fear of the Lord. He'll take you at your word. The Lord's calling out bored people tonight. I know it takes some guts to say, you know what, I'm right, you're right. I'm just, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Praise the Lord, hallelujah. That was me being nice. Glory to the Lamb, hallelujah. Quoting scripture, singing songs. I'm dead, I'm dry, I'm stale, I'm just afraid to say it. I'm not the man or woman that God's called me to be. I've not said that yes, I've not taken that step. I'm telling you, tonight's your night. So the weekend before Easter, the missionary's coming. My wife and I are are out to Cheesecake Factory. Any other fellow Cheesecake Factory fans? I mean, bomb. Hallelujah. I'll give you my address. You can send that to Lakeland. We're sitting there, a woman comes up, and you guys, I'll bring my wife one time, but you, you just already feel pity for her, it's compassion. This woman comes up to the table, and she introduces herself, her name was Jennifer, and I like to kind of talk to the talk to the people, and say, you know, where are you going to school? She said, I'm going to Tampa, I'm, I'm, I'm studying to be an astrologist. I said, wow, that's great. She said, yeah, I can kind of read people. 
my wife immediately started kicking my shin under the table. So I moved my foot, you know, I just, and I said, that's great. I've got that gift too. She said, really? So we gave her our order and, you know, the food and my wife is, you know, she always bans me from all forms of ministry on vacation, date night. So I'm telling you, when, when you, there, there's a place of encountering God. I've always told people, you have not tasted his glory yet if you can turn him off or on. This is not, oh, hallelujah, I'm at church and I'm just going to go back to business as usual tomorrow. This is, he's an inexhaustible fountain that will never run dry. And he has fully made himself available to us in the person of Jesus. You can have whatever you want, whenever you want. She comes back and gives us the food and, you know, I just went right back in. All right, you first. She goes, huh? Okay, you said you had the reading gift. You know, you tell me what you see. So she's saying, you know, what, what's your birthday? And, you know, she's doing all the new agey kind of stuff. And I just said, you know, I just, I got this vision. She goes, really, what was it? I said, your dad walked out on you when you were four. You know, <gasps> I said, you've struggled with suicide and rejection your whole life. God sent us here tonight to let you know that he loves you. He sent his son to die on the cross for you. I mean, she just, and just runs off. My wife's like, you've done it again. Good one. We eat the meal. She still hasn't come back. We wait. I mean, I get the manager. Did she leave or she's... He said, I don't know, Some, something happened. She's in the bathroom. She can't stop crying. So I'd like to say, you know, we went in there or whatever, but she never came back. So I asked for the check. I left a $100 tip and left our church card. Friday night, Sunday morning comes. Here comes the missionary. I mean, eyes of fire. This brother is preaching it. I mean, literally, I'm like, I got the fear of the Lord. I'm like, am I even saved? Miss brother, I was, I was mauled by lions in the jungle and the Muslims stoned me and I'm like. And he, he is preaching and we're all crying. Saints. I'll never forget it. Around the corner comes a woman dressed in a white dress. It's Jennifer. She comes and she sits down. She's listening and he's, he's getting more intense and more intense. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord. And he gets up and he says, if there is anyone here that is ready to die for Jesus Christ, I want you to stand. Saints, she not only stand, stood, she ran down to the front. And she got delivered and set free and gave her life to Jesus. And the Lord said to me, don't you ever again limit what I can do. Because isn't this what we do? Well, I can't invite them to church because they'll be freaked out. How about you just invite him and let the Holy Spirit do his thing? 
We're, 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 we have all our good ideas and all our mindsets and even Peter of, I've seen it all. And God forbid the Lord would break in and say, I've got another trick up my sleeve. Just believe that there are, there are fresh encounters that are waiting. I, I feel it. I feel it for Michigan. I feel it for the pastors and leaders. I feel it for those of you that are here tonight. We need a mindset shift. We need the Holy Spirit to come and begin to move upon our hearts. Say, Lord, you can do anything. Come and have your way. Third and finally, number one, our no's have to become yeses. Number two, We've got to change our mindsets. And number three, this is where I've got to tell you the truth. We have to embrace the questions, the misunderstandings, and the coming persecution. We have to embrace the questions, the misunderstandings, and the persecution that's coming. Saints, I wish with everything in me that I could tell you that people around you are going to get excited about the fresh fire that God has for you. I, I wish I could promise you that if you'll just say yes tonight... Saints, I have literally, I have watched this progression. I have watched saints get the the no to a yes. I've watched them change their mindset. And then when their friends and their family and their church started attacking them, they relented. The Bible says, beware of false prophets. I've got one for you. Beware of well-intending family members. See, when you catch the fire, when you live under the fresh anointing, when you become a David, do a generation, you're going to get enlisted in the seminary of Saul. I bless you with that. I, I, I want to prepare you. I want to tell you the, the whole truth. I, I want to tell you that people are going to get jealous. I want to tell you that some of you, you're going to catch such hot fire, you're going to have to move geographically. See, what I'm prophesying to you and what I'm seeing in the Spirit is that days are coming to America where there is literally going to be geographic shifts. Where people are going to get touched by God in such a powerful way that they literally can't find a church within a hundred miles that is burning for more. Instead of trying to find a job, like I'll find a job and then, and then we'll get there. I'm telling you, people are going to sell everything, get rid of everything and move to certain cities, to certain men and women of God, to certain locations where people are going to say yes. I've been prophesying to mothers and fathers, listen, get ready. If you'll say yes to the Lord, if you'll stay steadfast, the Lord is going to send you a young generation of firebrands, and the last years of your life are going to be the best. I mean, it's like Peter, he has this encounter. 
No, Lord. And the Lord says, uh, yeah. And he goes to these brothers, these Gentiles, and he preaches the gospel. Holy Spirit falls. And you would think the response would be amazing. Praise the Lord. He's transitioned the church into a deeper encounter. Thank you, Lord, for, for touching Peter's heart. But that's not how the story goes. It says in Acts chapter 11 that the brothers, the other church leaders, the other Christians took issue with Peter. Well, brother, why don't you calm down? Well, brother, why don't you just tone down that fire? Why don't you just stop speaking about Jesus at Thanksgiving? Well, brother, why don't you just stop spreading the gospel and just swallow the American dream? And the Lord is raising up a generation of believers that are going to turn down the American dream for the God dream. See, what, 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 what has to happen tonight is we've got to get the fear of man broken off of your life. Afraid of what so-and-so will say. Afraid of, well, brother, I can't share the gospel at work. I'll get fired. Good, God will get you a new job. Well, brother, I can't share the gospel with my family. They won't like me anymore. Good. Speak the truth. The truth will set them free. Well, brother, what's love? Love is telling the truth. It's not loving to look at people that are living in compromise and just let them go to hell. I would rather offend you while we yet live than for you to be offended at the return of the Lord and spend eternity in hell. I can, I can, I could fill the room with my, my own ache and personal pain of, of catching hold of the fire of God and having older men come and give me their wisdom. Oh, brother, you better tone it down. You can't burn like that forever. Well, brother, you get it, better get a sermon schedule. You can't have an encounter with God forever. But what if you caught fire, Dad? What would have to be shifted? What would have to be rearranged in your home? What, what if you said yes to the Lord? What, what, what about what would they say? I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit in this room. Massaging us, washing over us, inviting us into the more of God. There's a massive transition happening all over the American church. The Lord is transitioning the church into the more. He's releasing the gift of spiritual hunger that will drive us and take us places that business as usual never could. There's a coming harvest. There's thousands and thousands of drug addicts and homosexuals and prodigals that are about to come home. And what will they find?
You know what separated the kingdom of Saul from the kingdom of David was Saul spent his entire time on the throne fighting for a position. But David spent his entire time on the throne fighting for the presence of God. Ultimately, what I believe God is after tonight, saints, is our reputation. If you will die to your need to have a good reputation, I believe that there's no telling what God will do with your life. I believe that if churches and ministries would die... You know, one of the ways that I know it's a real revival is when there's persecution. You know, Jesus said, woe to you when all men speak well of you. This is not a popularity contest. This is not who can be the most liked church and pastor and saint. This is about selling out to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You were not born to fit in. You were born to stand out. You were born for eternal glory. You were born to make a difference in this world. They came to John Wesley at the end of his days and said, John, how will you be remembered? Great ministry, great reputation. And John answers them. And we know we have the Wesleyan, the Methodist denomination in in memory of his name. But then they come to George Whitfield, another preacher of that day. And they said, George, how will you be remembered? In other words, George, what kind of reputation do you want to have in all of history? You've been a preacher, a revivalist. You've given your life for the more. What kind of following do you want to have after you die? George Whitfield is quoted answering these men. And I'll close with this. George said, Let the name of Whitfield perish, but Christ be glorified. Let my name die everywhere. Let even my friends forget me, if by that means the cause of the blessed Jesus may be promoted. Who is Calvin? Who is Luther? Let us look above names and parties. Let Jesus be our all in all, so that He is preached. I care not who is most famous. I know my place, even to be the servant of all. I am content to wait till the judgment day for the cleaning up of my reputation. And after I am dead, I desire no other epitaph than this. Here lies G.W., what sort of man he was, the great day will discover. What would it look like to get free from the opinions of man tonight? Some of you haven't even said amen yet tonight because you're afraid of the people around you.
Come on, saints, we, we can shout on the, the Wolverines and the Sparties and the Lions and we can get all crazy at football and basketball, but when we get to church and we, everyone goes quiet. No sports team came and gave their life and rose from the dead. No sports team, no, no job, no, no, no one can offer eternal life. And not just eternal life, but life and life more abundantly while we yet live. Because that same resurrection power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living inside of your mortal body. And there's a fire that the Lord wants to release upon this generation that will not be understood by many. They will try to talk you off the ledge. They will come and offer their wisdom and their good wisdom from the world. I'm not saying to be rebellious. I'm not saying to not take godly counsel or correction. What I'm saying to you is there's a wildfire coming. And I just pray that none of us miss it. I I just pray that I'm not one of those guys just building his own kingdom and his own empire who cares about Jeremiah Johnson Ministries. Who cares what they think about me? Jesus Christ hung naked on a cross for you and I. Surely you and I could give something tonight of worth and value, even if it's just a yes. Saints, my prayer for us tonight is, at the very least, even if you have no idea what you're saying yes to, just to say yes. Will you bow your heads with me? Some of you are feeling a a stirring and a shaking inside of you. Some of you have been shaken to your core tonight. You're not even really sure what's going on, but you know God is doing something in your heart. I want you to stand right now. Even if it's one person, I just want you to stand right now. Believe that there's going to be a tangible fire of the Holy Spirit begin to blow through you and in you. Where you're at, just begin to say, yes, Lord. I want to encourage you, if you have a prayer language in this room, would you begin to pray in the Holy Spirit? We've got to have a move of God in this generation. We've got to have an experience of the Holy Ghost and fire. God, would you come and arrest those who are standing?
Come on, there's a message that's coming forth tonight. There's a crossing over, says the Lord. This is the hour to cross the Jordan. For there's a fresh circumcision that I'm releasing in this land. The Lord says that there's a cutting of the fat that's coming. There's a trimming down that I'm releasing in this nation. For I'm about to teach my people that less is more. Come on, I need a little bit more. If you've got a prayer language... Fire of God, would you come? Fire of God, would you come? Fire of God, would you come? Living sacrifices. Living sacrifices. I'm about to take husbands and wives who are unequally yoked in the Spirit and I'm about to yoke you together like never before. Fire, 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 fire of God. There's a fire that's coming. There's a wild fire that's coming to this nation. Lord, release the gift of hunger in this room tonight. Come on, you can have as much as you want. You can have as much as you want. You don't need the touch of a man. You need the touch of God. You got to get your own oil, says the Lord. You've got to get your own oil, says the Lord. Shandaraba sakarabo robo siki arababa koraba shakababa. Let the remnant arise. Let the remnant arise. There's a remnant that's coming. Ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, I begin to break the spirit of witchcraft in this room. Some of you are under a manipulating, controlling spirit from your mother. And I release you and I loose you from a spirit of witchcraft from your mother right now in Jesus' name. She will not control you and manipulate your walk with God any longer. Lord, I declare that the prostitutes in this region are going to become preachers. I just sense a spirit of deliverance is coming to Shelby Township. Come on, two more minutes. Just want you to fight. 
Holy Spirit, wake us up. Holy Spirit, wake us up. Sound an alarm in your church in this hour. Sound an alarm in your church in this hour. Let the Lion of Judah roar. Let the Lion of Judah roar across the land. Come on, there's fresh baptisms in the Holy Ghost that are coming tonight. 